in which case you would be on fine biblical ground. But if you are, then perhaps you have thought this question with me. If the meaning in life is us knowing and experiencing God, why not after we come to know him in faith, why after we, we first experience his forgiveness, doesn't he just go ahead and, and take us home? Where we can now enjoy Christ in his fullness. Why continue living? And Paul, in one form or fashion, meditates on that very thought too. About what it would be like uh, to go and be with Jesus. He says it would be gain and better by far. But he anticipates that won't happen to him in this moment. Even though he is facing trial before Roman judge and potentially execution for uh, being a traitor to the kingdom because he won't worship the emperor. Now, as he anticipates that, he says, I suspect they're going to let me go. I suspect that because I think God has more purposes for me in this life. And if there are greater purposes, or maybe not greater, but temporal purposes that precede your going to the full experiencing of Jesus, what are they? And if we find out what they are, can we then live in those purposes why are you here? Paul will answer the greatest question of all of life today. Here's why you're here. You are here to, in this life, know and experience Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. Now, that's a pretty odd phrase. It seems to be missing parts of the sentence. For me to live is Christ. Now, I'm uh, fond of math, and is means equals, and for me to live equals Christ. And I go, I'm not sure how to work that out. But you can certainly hear someone saying it today. Odds are pretty good. You will hear someone say it today if you watch television. Today is uh, basically opening day for the NFL. And surely some of the NFL players will be interviewed. And when you hear them talk about their life, they will tell you, my life is football. I live it, I breathe it, I drink it, it's everything I want. I live for it, I love it. It's what I do, and I'm good, you know. Uh, I recently, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by football myself. Enjoy it, I, I don't live for it, I don't think. Uh, you can ask me again, you know, this, this evening how I'm doing. Um, but the, the uh, coach of... The uh, Baltimore Ravens, Coach Harbaugh, uh, allowed ESPN to follow him for a week and to print his schedule. And his schedule was printed in 15-minute increments from 5 a.m. when he got up till 11 p.m. or 11.30 when he went to bed. And there was something going on with football every 15 minutes except for about one 15-minute segment a day in which he called his wife. And about three hours on Saturday when he was home. Everything else was football. He, when he would stop for lunch, would have meetings with players and coaches. And his lunchtime was 15 minutes. So the meetings were 15 minutes long. And you want to talk to him, you better get it out quick. Everything was about getting the football done and living it. Paul is something like that. For me to live is Christ. If you were to look at his 15-minute segments, he would show you this is about Christ. This is about Christ. My chains, they're about Jesus. 
Because I'm chained to a Roman guard and I'm imprisoned. It's about Christ. And uh, when I talk to these guards, it is about Christ. And when I think about the Philippians, it is about Christ. And when I get released from this prison, it will be about Christ. I am sure my deliverance is coming because the Spirit of Jesus Christ will support me in my prison. That I won't be ashamed of this. That I'm going to be shown that though I am a prisoner now and there is a shame associated with being a prisoner. Hey, isn't that that criminal? Isn't the church associated with criminals? That's the way people would have thought in that day. He would have said, I am sure that the day is coming when I will be vindicated. When people will see that I wasn't in prison for something evil or criminal, but for Christ. And in that day, they will say, well, then it was worth it. And today we are saying that very thing. To know and experience Christ, Paul says, that is what your life is about. To experience Him in all of the blessings that He gives you, in every kindness, in every comfort, to give thanks with a whole heart at every good thing you receive, that every joy you have is meant to point you to Jesus, that, that, that the joys you have are not an end in themselves. Parents, you, you look at your children and find joy in them. That's good, but it's meant to be a joy that points you beyond. To see how your Father in Heaven takes joy in you far greater than the joy you have in them. If you uh, enjoy your marriage, good. That's what you're supposed to do. But it's a joy that's a pointer to say that, look what God has given me in companionship. To remember that He saw Adam alone and gave him a wife and said, this is for you. It's a gift to see that in your marriage, a tiny, tiny taste of what Christ says about his church, his beloved bride. It's meant to be a pointer. And really what's being said here is that you begin to see these fingerprints of Jesus on every part of your life, on every joy, to look behind the joy to the giver of the good gift. But you're supposed to see Christ in every affliction too. To see Christ as the one who is walking with you in your illness. To see Christ as the one who is with you in your grief and in your sadness. To see Christ as the one who is with you in your poverty, in your fears, in your anxieties, in your failures. That He is with you and supporting you, and giving you endurance that is the Spirit of Christ. As the Apostle says, that's what I know. The Spirit of Christ will deliver me through this and from this. It is your experiencing of Christ at every point. That's what your life is about. For you to orient it about Jesus. And here's what happens. As long as you orient your joys about the, the things of life. Okay, so uh, we orient our joys about a football team. The football team wins and there's joy and happiness. And that's okay. I want you to look beyond it. But that's okay to start. But when that becomes the thing, what happens when they lose? It, 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 it kind of deflates us and it robs us of this joy. If you were to set your joy in your children, a good thing, 
But if that becomes the orienting point, if that's what your joy is really about, just the children, what happens when they rebel, when they disobey, when they fail? It's crushing. You see, what happens is everything about your life was meant to point you to a Savior who is bigger and better than everything else. And if we do not look beyond the joys to Christ, the joy is, is, is fragile and can be crushed. All of your life, at every point, is meant to be about Jesus. But then Paul says something that's really fascinating. He says, uh, verse 23, if my life is for Christ, then what my death would be would be to get better. I, I would actually get more of Jesus at my death. And that's what I'm living for. But there's a, a little dilemma in Paul's head. This is really amazing. If I'm to live in the flesh, verse 22, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I want you to hear what Paul is saying. He goes, my life is about Christ. Living in Him, knowing Him, experiencing Him in my life, those are the things I live for. And if I were to die, I would get more of that. And so I'm anticipating that it's my desire. Now think about what he just said. It's my desire to leave this life. That's a strange concept to me. It's my desire to leave this life. But I have a competing desire. I want you to know Jesus. And if Jesus leaves me here, then I get to help you know Christ more. And so... I can't really decide. Now think about that. I would love to go be with Jesus, but I really, really want you to know him too. And as long as I'm here, I get to help you know Jesus. And those, those are powerful desires in Paul's mind. Powerful desires. Part of why you are here is not just so that you might know Jesus, but so that you can help others know him too. That is why God is leaving you here, is to continue to bear witness to him and to serve others. And Paul experienced it from the Philippians. Look what it says back in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers, it wasn't just the help of the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ in him, but through the prayers of the Philippians, that he was being supported and strengthened, that he was coming to know the Spirit of Christ and the support that he had. This Philippian church was really a part of his spiritual being. The joy he experienced came because they ministered at a distance to him. I think sometimes we feel like prayer that we pray isn't really that meaningful. That maybe no one's listening and I've prayed for stuff for a long time and haven't seen it answered or at least I'm not aware of it is. I want you to hear Paul say your prayers for the support and encouragement of other saints really matters. Very practically, you're praying for Christians who are in Iraq and Syria and North Korea who are being persecuted on a daily basis. 
those prayers really matter. Part of the reason they will be faithful is because you pray for them. God has left you here in part to pray for this church of people you probably you, you don't even know. Occasionally you'll hear stories of nameless folks, but those are your brothers and sisters. And God has left you here in part to pray for them so that that church will be strong and know Christ. God has left you here so that your immediate neighbors can know Christ through your words and through your life. You are here for fruitful labor to serve others. And so that's really a pretty full life. If I can begin to see every aspect of my life as a place for me to draw upon Jesus, whether blessing or affliction, then it's going to enrich every part of life. And there becomes a joy that sometimes is covered up by tears. Paul was in pain in prison. He was suffering. And so this wasn't a guy who was simply saying, oh, just be happy. He was a man who was a realist. But he said, underneath these tears and this suffering is a joy that can't be extinguished. Because I get to know Jesus and fellowship in his sufferings. After all, isn't this Jesus' way to say instead of just... um, drawing you out because you can know me, you're going to go and get involved in the people who have needs. Isn't that what Jesus did? He left heaven itself to walk among us, to rescue us. This is Jesus' way. And to get to know him through ministering to the needy, that's his design. But I also want you to know that you're here for more than this world can offer. You are here to hope For something bigger and better. That's what he says when he says in verse 21, If I get to live, it's Christ, but to die is to gain. And in verse 23, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. There is something in being with Jesus that's going to be better than every joy you have had in this life. It's going to overwhelm every suffering. It is going to be richer and far better than the greatest joy of life. I want you to imagine this. Imagine the closest family member or friend who is an unbeliever. And now imagine that person coming to you and saying, Hey, I remember you talking to me about Jesus. I want you to know I trust him now. I believe in him. And I thought you would be the first who would want to know. And think about the joy that that would fill your heart. That's what Paul says he's doing. I'm here to help other people know Christ. But far better than that will be when I go to see him. It will overwhelm every other joy you've ever had. And he's anticipating and hoping for that gift of being with Jesus. This would give you power over everything in your life, over every circumstance, over every suffering, over every affliction. It would give you power to look death in the face and say, I'm not afraid of this. All you can do is send me to where I want to be. To hope for so much more. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that this life is 
like the prologue of a story. The prologue. This is good for a literary critic and professor to, to describe. Imagine the kind of, not really even opening chapter of a story, just sort of a, a little bit to set the background for what's going to be the real story. He says this life is the prologue. What's coming is the real story. You haven't even started your real story. In, in Colossians, Paul says it this way, your life is hidden with Christ, but it will be revealed at his coming. In some ways... While this life matters, it is significant because God says, I want you to know my son and I want you to serve others with my son. In some ways, the real story hasn't started yet. We're just in the introduction. And the real story is richer and fuller and better than you can yet imagine. There is a a story I read this week about uh, an Iranian uh, Christian, he was uh, imprisoned for uh, what they called apostasy. He was born in a Muslim family, and so when he adopted Christianity and trusted in Christ, he had committed apostasy under the Iranian law, and it was punishable by death. And so the Iranian uh, pastor and uh, a Christian wrote his letter of confession. He said, I do believe in Jesus. And I will not stop. My Savior is risen from the dead and he is too great to deny. And if this costs me my life, then so be it. This was in the mid-90s. And uh, under terrible uh, European and and Western pressure, uh, Iran relented, though they had sentenced him to die. They they relented and set him free. About six weeks later, he was found dead under suspicious circumstances and no killer was ever found. You can probably put two and two together. But hear his testimony. I'm not afraid to die. I belong to Jesus and he has risen from the dead. And as sure as he lives, so shall I. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the tastes of Christ that we get now. We taste and see that he is good, as the psalmist says. We see your goodness and that you support us in everything. You have uh, worked in our lives so that we could experience your life in us, so that we can know Jesus for real in this life, even though it's only taste. And we get a chance to give others that same gift. And for that, we are thankful and pray that you would fill our lives with Christ so that we could say like Paul for us to live as Christ. But we eagerly hope for the gain that is to come. For to depart would be far better. Grant us the grace to truly believe that. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.